Okay, well, guys, thank you so much for sharing, and uh, what you guys are doing is amazing, and I appreciate your pitch to the church, so everybody should go, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, real quick before we jump in uh, to the message, I am going to do the very best I can with two chapters of Luke, and we're going to get it done. And there's, so, there's a piece of Luke in chapter 7 and 8 we're going to focus on. But if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 7 and chapter 8. We're continuing in our series on Luke. This is the story through the accounts, the witnessing that Luke has collected and has written down in the book of Luke. And it's this journey of Christ, really, ultimately, according to him, to bring you up to speed. Where we've been is Jesus comes on the scene in his hometown, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah the mission of the Messiah to come heal, to come help, to come free captives, and to come and bring salvation. So he makes this announcement. Right? And then we looked at what, what is the calling of the kingdom, meaning that the kingdom does not discriminate. The kingdom will call all who are listening and all who are willing. This is partially why I asked you that question about how, how do you take your faith and then put it into action. The kingdom is just calling those who are willing to say yes. There is nobody who is qualified enough to be in the kingdom and it's calling. There's, there, there are nobody who is disqualified. God qualifies all those who were called from all the examples that we had read. And then last week we talked about the morality of the kingdom. That why morality matters. Why is God calling us to something higher and a standard that is higher than what we as people can even just go, oh, this is, this is just me being a good person. So he's calling us to more. So you see this building throughout Luke, and it gets to this moment that we're going to read today about uh, the, the, the question is being posed, the challenge is being thrown out by Jesus, and the challenge is, is are, are, you, are you going to have faith or are you going to not? And so this is a real strong moment, and it's hidden. It's just this powerful statement Jesus makes, and it's almost hidden between these iconic stories that we read, but it, really all these stories are around this one statement Jesus is making, and I believe it's extremely purposeful for why it was done. So I titled this message, Faith. This is about Jesus confronting us on our belief in action. And uh, it's moving us from ultimately inactive to active. You will have to make a choice to step and walk into faith or not. I, all of us have stories where we've been in very tough times, and in the moment we can say, but you don't understand, Ryan, and, and I might not, but I can tell you stories that I can say you might not understand. The fact is that there's moments where it's like, am I going to lean into my faith, or am I going to just distance myself from my faith? And I mean faith not in your salvation. I mean faith in the sense of trusting that God is who he says he is. In the situation we're going to read today, it is about trusting in that is Jesus who Jesus says he is. So I'll summarize these two chapters for you by these iconic stories. Um, the centurion servant is someone Jesus encounters. And it's in chapter, se chapter 7, 1 through 10. And this is how these chapters start out. And it's building the story. 
So the centurion comes up to Jesus, who's someone who is the least likely person that Jesus, right, people are looking at and going, would give favor upon the centurion. And he says, hey, listen, listen, my servant's sick. One of his servants comes to Jesus and says, my, my boss's servant is sick. And it's amazing because Jesus at that moment was just even stopped. He, was, he wasn't even invited to the home. He just said, no, 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 no. I understand how authority works. I'm in charge of soldiers. You just say the word and they'll do it. So don't even, you don't even need to come to my house. Don't even waste the widow that even allowed this to happen to bring her son back. Then you see this question of faith happening, which is the next story, which is John the Baptist's disciples, while John's in prison, go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, are you the one? Just tell us, are you the one? Are, you, are those words that you read earlier, the Messiah, are those true of you, or should we look for another? Now imagine, Jesus is like, look for another. Are you kidding me? And Jesus is where he says this statement we're going to read in a minute. He says this statement, and, and when they're question of doubt. So we see this, like, unbelievable faith from someone who doesn't have a history at all but sees that Jesus is something different to this widow who allowed a funeral to stop to allow Jesus to do something to John's disciples going, are you even Jesus? So you see how this chapter is shaping. And then it goes on from there to this sinful woman, this famous story of the lady who was washing Jesus' feet with his tear, her tears. And at the very end, Jesus says something interesting. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And it's this person who was so desperate, almost it's a risky repentance, willing to take shame and possibly dying because she so saw something in Jesus, her faith was activated when she was at the lowest place and the lowest standard of society. And I don't even know how she felt about herself. But her faith. So then you see the spike of faith through someone who you wouldn't think you see it from. John the Baptist's disciples who've seen what Jesus can do and, and see who Jesus is. They were there when the spirit <laughs> descended like a dove. And they're going, should we look for another? Because the circumstances around us aren't working out. Are you the one to take care of this? So we kind of see these peaks and valleys in these chapters, right? And then we go to another valley because right after this, the disciples are out on the water and a storm comes and they're freaking out. I did way too much studying a long time ago on these boats that they were in, and they were pretty crazy. They, they recently discovered one uh, of that time era that they had dug up in, in Galilee, and they're not big. They're, 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 I can see why they were afraid, and they were going to you know, possibly drown. It wasn't like they're doing triathlons, okay? These guys <laughs> were in trouble. And all they could think about were the circumstances around them. But the, literally, the, the, the one thing that, that, that could change, the only thing that could change was sitting in the boat with them. But they had no faith. And Jesus says, he rebukes the storm. He says, how could you have so little faith? Have you not been with me on this journey? 
And then it goes into this story of this legion. We've talked about it recently of the legion who was, man was possessed with several, many, many demons. And Jesus frees a mind and then the, the, the freed mind responds in faith. And then goes and becomes a big mouthpiece for Jesus and ultimately sets up future planting of churches too. And then we see the woman with the issue of blood where she's so desperate to go through a crowd. You know these iconic stories. She goes through the crowd. He's, Jesus is on his way to go heal someone else, but she stops him, and he's like, what, who, who touched me? Something came out of, power came out of me. Who touched me? And they're like, everybody is grabbing you. You're like Justin Bieber here. Like It's, it's like this. And he's, and he's like, no, 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 somebody did. Who did? And she, out of her bravery... She says, I'm the one who did it, considering she would face social shame, but it was her faith in him that if I just touched the hem of his, of, of his cloak, I'll be healed. I think about it, a lot of people were touching Jesus, but he notices one, one with faith. And then I, I think about that, too, of like she's struggling with this issue of blood. Now, it's been going on, I think, for it was 12 years I don't know if you've ever had a problem for 12 years, but at that point, you're willing to, to, to entertain magic. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you've had back pain for so long, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll think about it. Uh, I don't really talk about this, but, you know, almost two years ago, I lost my smell from COVID, and I've never gotten it back. And I'm, I'm very special, the doctors say, because um, I don't have smell anymore. And it's a weird thing to lose your smell. It's a weird thing to lose a, a sense. And... So, by the way, that doesn't give anybody the permission to, to fart around me, okay? Like, I, I, it's, not, it's not acceptable. I still breathe through my mouth. So I, I, knew, I was nervous about sharing this with you because... But my, I think my smell, like, it, 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 at first it was like, it's not coming back, it's not coming back. And then I go to the doctors, they do the MRIs, they, they're trying to figure out everything they can. And finally my doctor says to me, he goes, you know what, these are these MDs and they've gone through so much training. I go, have you tried smelling oils? I'm like, wow, it's come to that, smelling oils. And they, they, they didn't work, but I was willing to do anything. And I had to stop at one point because I thought, I'm so desperate. If someone said you need to do handstands every single day for two months, I would do them. When you lose something and you've been going through it for so long, you get to a point, I think, of desperation. We know this with pain. We know this with suffering. We know this with every hardship in life. And so she's at this place, and it's her desperation, and she has this person she says and says, I put my faith there. You might feel like her. You might feel like the centurion. You might feel like the widow who let the funeral stop. You might feel like the disciples. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. We all do. The very last name is a man named Jairus. And Jesus was on his way before the woman had grabbed his hem. And he was on his way to go pray for, um, I believe it was his daughter. And while he's on his way, the woman had distracted this Jesus from going there by grabbing his hem. Now, Jairus is someone who is in charge of the synagogue. Now, this is very taboo for him to invite Jesus, who many of his peers aren't fans of, because he sees something's different about him, and he has faith. But they lose faith for a moment. 
because she dies before he can get there. And they're like, don't even come, she's dead. And he's like, no, 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 let me in. Oh, she's just sleeping. And everyone laughs, like, wow. And then he raises her and feeds her and then sets her on her way, and they were astounded. You see this mountain, peak, valley situation happening all throughout these. And smack dab, right in the middle, is where Jesus puts a call out to all of us about this peak valley type of faith. And I, I, I can only point I can try to get across that he's trying to say is it's, he's talking about a, a, like activate faith. There's a point when you can, de, you can deactivate faith and you can activate faith. And Jesus is saying, activate your faith. Have an active faith. I think Jesus confronts our sidelining doubts really for activated faith. He's calling you into the game. No longer to sit on the sidelines anymore. Do you remember Rudy? But there are those, I think, who are like the Rudys when Jesus is walking along and they're like, whatever that is, I want in. Don't let doubt sideline you into being active in your faith. Luke 7, here's the verse. 31. It says, and, and, and he's speaking at the very end of John's disciples saying, are you, is, are you the one or is there another? And people are starting to question Jesus. He says, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what they are like? Now this could be really good or really bad. Jesus says, so what, what should I use a comparison to describe? On the sidelines. And so this is how he uses to describe the generation of people who are just waiting for something else. Not joining in. And in verse 33, it says, For John the Baptist has come, eat, eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon sidelined. And the Son of Man has come drinking, eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Sidelined. And Jesus is saying, is, what, what will it take for you? We'd be like the woman with the issue of blood where you'd be like the disciples saying, is there another? Should we wait? And he finishes with this really powerful statement. Verse 35, yet wisdom is justified by her children, meaning this, the truth will bear out. So if you want a sideline, not join in, the truth will bear out. The fruit will show. The proof is in the pudding. Now, do you know what the proof is in the pudding is from? This has been around since like the 1400s. It's a crazy thing. You don't realize this. It's not pudding like we're talking about. This has a point, I promise you. <laughs> the way we know pudding and the way that they called pudding, what they called pudding was very different. It was like a, a stew of like sausage, blood sausage and it was a mixture of all these other things that was in this pudding, they called it. And so the saying didn't used to be the proof is in the pudding. The saying used to be the proof is, is when you eat the pudding. Meaning this is that some pudding that you would eat, it was either one way good or extremely bad. And they'd say the proof is in eating the pudding. Meaning that you have to taste it first. So the proof is in the pudding, Jesus says here. It's in eating it. It's in Joining in and being active, not just sitting on the sidelines in these peaks and valleys and watching. 
It's very good. You have to taste to find out, though. And he closes, and I'll close this message with this parable he states, I think really describing his statement in chapter 8. It says, when the great, he's talking about faith. And when the great crowd was gathered and the people from the town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. Now he's speaking of himself. He came out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, meaning he is going along a path. And the sower is sowing. But listen to how he's described. And some was trampled under feet, meaning that this seed of possible faith would be trampled. Or birds from the air would devour it, meaning that it would never even be around. It, would, it wouldn't even be trampled. It would just be consumed and taken away. And some fell on rocks. And maybe they grew up a little bit, but it withered right away because there was no moisture there, meaning the ground was too hard and the faith couldn't grow. The seed couldn't grow and it died. It had a moment, but it, it died. And some fell among thorns and those thorns grew up with it and choked it out, meaning that he, the little Seed of faith had no idea that it was actually planted in a ground that was pitted against it and eventually would take its life. But then he says in verse 8, and some fell into good soil. And I have always wondered what good soil is, and am I good soil? It's a good question to ask. Is my heart good soil? Is my faith, is it, is, is it ready to step into the faith that I need to, to let it grow? Will it be choked out? Will it be devoured? You know, your, your dream in the very beginning when God dropped that in your heart could have been choked out. Could have been devoured. Someone could have said, look, you, you guys need to plan for the future. Get that motor home and get those seashells. You could have done that. You could have. And that's why I'm so glad you said what you said because to me, there are lots of things waiting to choke out the faith, but the, if God drops it there, you've got you to put it in good soil. I think you were good soil. That's why I was trying to mine that out of you. Of like, what was Your heart had to have been in a certain place. We cannot let our heart, and our heart, when God is dropping things in our heart, to let it be ground that is rocky, rough, or even not letting it appear because we're just, we're not even open. He says, good soil. And it grew, but listen to this. This is why the proof is in the pudding. This is why Jesus says that the children will bear out, the wisdom will bear out, and its children is that it will yield a hundredfold. Now, this is how he'll close this statement. And he said these things. He called out, He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, if he knew everyone would hear, he wouldn't say that. Some will not hear this. And I'm encouraging you as a church, as, our, as a body of believers, is that you should pray, God, let me have ears to hear this. I want my heart to be good soil. I don't want to be in the peaks and valleys of faith here. Like God can be miraculously blowing your mind, and then maybe a year later we're going, God, where are you? I, I don't understand you. Maybe there is no God. I'm not saying not to be, not be real with God, because he can surely handle it. But are we constantly cultivating the ground of our heart, being open and saying, listen, I'm, I want to be good soil, God. I'll be willing to trust. I'll be willing to go. Plant, plant, plant it here. I'll grow it. 
the wisdom will show its proof. And it will manifest, but I think you just ultimately, at the end of the day, have to taste. You got to do it. If there's something you're praying for, pray. Don't give up. If there's something you're hoping for, I still pray to smell. <laughs> I'm not going to give up. If there's something you're struggling through, dealing with, a relational issue, pray. Cultivate the soil. Don't let it, don't let it be choked out. And if you're wondering, God, are you even around? Are you real? Are you kidding me, God? I didn't think you could last through a pandemic. Maybe God's socially distancing from me. I don't know what's going on. But listen, don't give up. Continue to keep that soil rich. And it will turn a hundredfold. I promise you, the wisdom will prove itself. It'll be vindicated by the choices you make. Just like these people who said, no matter what, that is where my faith is going. Put your faith in Christ. He will not let you down. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you, God. Thank you for the story that we heard about this faith in action. This story today about uh, Rancho La Hermosa, like a, a, of a couple who just said, we want to be good ground. Take us where you want to go, God, and we want to have good soil. We want it to grow. And God, that journey for all of us is, is in front of us, God. We don't know where we're going to go, but where we're going is where you are. And so, God, as we are walking the path of life like Jesus and as we're, we're receiving uh, calls and commissions and from God or directions or uh, impressions or however we want to call it, God, that this is good soil, that we will not turn our back on it, uh, on the calling of you to step out in faith, but it will grow. And God, you promise we will not be made fools of it. It will produce. And so, God, I just thank you for that, God. Um, as we heard their story today, God, as we read these stories in the Bible, these are people who took extraordinary, audacious risks to realize that their faith belongs with you, Jesus. That you are the way, you are the truth, you are the light. And God, everything that we would ever want in life that would seemingly be like these thorns, these, this is the place to grow, will eventually one day choke us out if we put our faith there and not in you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you sing with me this last song?